Welcome back to the Two Marks and Spark Wrestling Podcast. Man, has it been a while since I've said that. Holy crap. What's going on, guys? Uh, well, I'm here alone for this podcast anyway. Bryce had a personal issue, so he couldn't join me. But do we have a lot to talk about? It, uh, it's been a minute. For those of you that don't know, I, uh, started to do another show called Shrewsworthy. We did three episodes, and, uh, I'll bring that show back at some point, but not, not yet. I'll talk more about that later. But, it's been here. We're a couple days late on this, mostly because I wasn't sure whether or not we were going to be able to make this work with Bryce or not. Unfortunately, we couldn't for this week, but I've got some shows to recap, and I'm going to start with WWE Clash at the Castle now. The last time I did one of these, Vince McMahon was still in charge of the WWE. He's not anymore, for those of you that have kept up at all, and unless you've lived under a rock, I'm sure you know why. I'm very much a fan of the fact that Vince is no longer around, and we'll talk about why in a minute. I didn't watch the pre-show. I guess it was the Street Profits and... Who? I don't even remember. It was the Street Profits and Madcap Moss against the Alpha Academy and Austin Theory. I don't care. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I I would assume the Profits won that match. I don't know. Um, then we had Damage Control versus Asuka, Bianca, and Alexa. Damage Control, obviously. Dakota Kai, EO Sky, and Bailey. This was a really, really solid opener. Uh, it's exactly where I would have put it. It should have opened the show. It did open the show. It was really good. A lot of good stuff with Bianca and Bailey here. Bailey pins Bianca. It sets up going forward now that we're going to get Bailey versus Bianca for the Raw Women's title. And I would pretty much expect Bailey to win the title because she is she is on another level. She is so good. And really just a great showing for all six women in the match, but especially Bailey and Bianca. The next match, oh boy. Sheamus versus Gunther for the IC title. Um, I loved this match. This is just two dudes beating the hell out of each other. Gunther is on this great reign with the IC title. He's probably the best guy for that belt. He's making it matter again. I love it. I love every bit of this match. Imperium came back and they brawled with the with Pete Dunn and uh I can't remember the other the brawling brutes. Ridge Holland. I'm sorry, I had it written down, couldn't remember his name for a second. I don't know why. <laughs> Ridge Holland is like a very easy name to remember, but Holland, Butch, Vinci, and Kaiser all brawl. And this was all great as Seamus and Gunther just stare each other down. And then they beat the hell out of each other for about 15 to 20 minutes. This was fantastic. I loved this. Gun Gunther gets the win. It, it was perfect. This whole thing was perfect. And the ovation Seamus got at the end, fantastic. I I loved this match. It was It's up there for my match of the year right now. Uh, right up there with Cody and Seth. And pick one of the Cody and Seth matches, by the way, because I think all three of them could be. And then we get probably, which is weird for me to say this, but probably my least favorite match on the show, which is Liv versus Shayna. This wasn't great. It was fine. 
Liv got the win, and she won clean, thank God. But I don't know, man. This just didn't click for me. Speaking of didn't fully click, but I liked it anyway, uh, Edge and Rey Mysterio versus The Judgment Day. Edge's entrance was the best part of this whole thing. Um, I thought Edge... With the Judgment Day thing, I know we didn't have a show at that point. We weren't covering WWE at that point, but when Edge started Judgment Day, I really liked it, and I kind of wish he was still in it, but I like where they're going with this feud, even though if it is a bit drawn out at this point. Uh, Dominic has joined the Judgment Day now. I'll talk about Raw after this week, not this week's Raw. I did see this week's Raw. I liked it a lot, but I'm not going to recap it here because I've got a lot I need to cover on this show, and this is only the first segment, so we're going to keep moving. But Edge and Ray get the win. Dominic actually helped them at one point in the match, and then he low blows Edge after the match and clotheslines Ray and leaves and rips off his Mysterio shirt. So this was clearly a heel turn for Dominic, and that got confirmed for us the next this past Monday on Raw. Then we move on to Rollins versus Riddle, Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle. I don't like Matt Riddle at all, but this match was really good. Holy shit, this match was really good. And you could tell Triple H had a hand in this one, and it worked to its advantage. This match was fantastic front to back. Just two really really well Seth being probably a top 10 wrestler in the world and then Riddle being fine for the most part um I don't think I've seen a bad Seth Rollins match ever I don't think it exists if it does I haven't seen it but these two guys went in there and had a very psychological match I loved it I loved everything leading up to this Seth gets the win with a curb stomp off the second rope. Great match. Great finish. And Seth just... I, I know it won't happen, but I would like to think he's going to be the one to beat Roman. I would like to think that. I, I really would. It's not going to happen, but I would like it to. Then we get Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre in the main event of Clash at the Castle. As if this show couldn't get any better. I mean, this show top to bottom was fantastic, but this main event was special. Drew McIntyre's entrance with the broken dreams and showing his ascension through being the chosen one and then leaving the WWE and then coming back and then winning the Rumble and all that. And it was just, it was amazing. And then Drew comes out and he is O-V-E-R in all capital letters. They're in Cardiff. They are going nuts for Drew at this point. And I really thought Drew was going to win this match. Uh, I think I even said it on Twitter that I thought Drew probably should beat Roman. And it doesn't make any damn sense for him to lose. But he does. And you kind of, in a weird way, don't... You, there was interference galore, but 
Drew and Roman, these two guys, they know how to work together and they beat the hell out of each other. At one point, Theory tries to cash in. Tyson Fury knocks him the hell out. I mean, just cold cocks him and knocks him out from the front row. This was great. And then the end comes when Solo Sokoa interferes, distracts Drew. Roman hits the spear. One, two, three. I I don't love it, but I mean Solo Sokoa being on main roster is a good idea. It works, and he's another member of the bloodline. I do think, however, that he needs to be the one to turn on Roman. Um, because I think he's the one that actually has singles potential out of all of the, between him and the Usos. I think Sokoa could be a singles guy. I, I don't know what their plan is. I mean, it's probably Braun next, obviously, I, I would think, because they brought him back Monday Night on Raw. I would think Braun is probably the next guy to face Roman, but I don't know. I mean, do you go the carrion cross route? I personally wouldn't. I Again, I would have switched the belt here. I would have said, okay, Roman, you know, we're going to switch the belt here and we'll get it back to you probably at day one or the Royal Rumble and you'll go to Mania with it or whatever. But I don't know. I, it, I, I'm i sure that they have a plan for who's going to beat him. I would assume it's Cody, uh, considering they didn't have him beat, have Drew beat him here. I would assume Cody's winning the Rumble and probably going to Mania or that they'll have him win the belt sometime before Mania. That That's my assumption right now. But that is the WWE Clash of the Castle. Overall, I thought this was like an A-minus letter grade show. I thought this show was fantastic. Top to bottom loved it. There was not a match on this show where I said I hated it. It didn't exist. And it this was just mwah, chef's kiss of a show. And on the other side of the break here, I'm going to talk about All Out and everything that happened there. And if you think I'm not going to talk in depth about that media scrum, oh, baby. Oh, we got a lot more to come here on the Two Marks of a Spark Wrestling Podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We are back here on the Two Marks of a Spark Wrestling Podcast. I'm going to talk about All Out first, and then I'm going to talk about everything else. I want to talk about the show. And then I want to talk about everything else. And if you don't know what everything else is, well, sit tight because you'll find out. Let's start with the buy-in or as they called it, all out zero hour. Um, We started with the AAA World Mixed Tag Title match. I didn't see this. I heard Ruby Soho broke her nose on a kick from Tamello and almost got her neck broken. Uh, Again, I heard that from... Mike Sempervivi when he was on Wrestling Observer Live Monday morning or Monday afternoon. Not Monday morning, what am I talking about? And yeah, that's scary. Um I hope Ruby's okay. That's all I can say. But Tay and Sammy get the win. Then we had and I actually saw the rest of this. So we had Hook versus Angela Parker. This was fine. For the FTW title. It was Hook's longest match. And they gave Angelo quite a bit of offense here. Obviously Angelo Parker. Formerly Jeff Parker. 
of the 2.0 now of the Jericho Appreciation Society. And my thing about this was like, why was this on the buy-in? There was 15 matches on this show. Like, can we cut something? I don't know. Hook gets the win. And then afterwards, Action Bronson, who sings Hook's theme song, came in and got a little offense in. I don't I don't know why. There, there was really no reason for this to be on this show, period. I You could have done this on Rampage, honestly. Speaking of, you could have done it on Rampage or Dynamite. Uh, Pack versus Skip Sabian for the All-Atlantic title. What? Any of this. Why? It was a good match. Kip Sabian looked really good here. For as much as I hate Kip Sabian, or I've hated Kip Sabian in the past, this was actually really good. It just didn't need to be on the show. Pac retains. Pac, excuse me, retains. And there, that was that. I mean, it was good. And afterwards, Kip Sabian screamed at the cardboard box he now wears on his head. I, I, I can't make this up. And then we got a little bit of stare down between... Pac and Orange Cassidy so it seems like that's where they're going next for that All-Atlantic title I'm really not crazy about the fact that it even exists I don't know why they had to get another belt but it's here so we gotta talk about it then we got my favorite match of the pre-show and for most of this show my favorite match of the entire show until a little later on uh, Tomohiro Ishii against Eddie Kingston this was great it was a chop fest it was kind of like a light version of Gunther versus Sheamus in a lot of ways. Uh, Kingston gets the win, and this was the second match between these two guys. Obviously, they had one in New Japan earlier this year. Maybe it was last year. I can't remember which one it was, but I think it was this year. Eddie gets the win, and you can run this back into a grudge match at some point because Ishii won the first one and Kingston won the second one. Then we go to the main card, and this is where things get a little sketchy. Um, we had the casino ladder match, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Pentelo Zero, Miedo, Ray Phoenix, Roosh, Andre Alidolo, Dante Martin, and the Joker. This was a ladder match, pretty much. Uh, just nothing you haven't seen before in terms of, like, it was the casino style, so Yuda and Phoenix started, and then Roosh came out, and then Andrade came out. I, then Claudio, and everybody was clearly just waiting for the Joker. And there was a point where Roosh was walking to the ring, and Yuda was on the ladder, and there was basically nobody around him. Yuda could have just grabbed up and grabbed the chip, but they couldn't do that because they had to wait for the Joker, who... One, spoiler alert if you didn't already know. And then all of a sudden we get this retribution light is the only way I know how to describe it. Masked men run to the ring and start beating the ever-loving hell out of everybody. And we find out that it's Stokely Hathaway, Austin, the gun club. I was going to say Austin and Colton Gunn, but it's, it's the gun club. W. Morrissey, Lee Moriarty, and Ethan Page, and... Stokely's got the chip. He climbs the ladder, grabs the chip, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. I guess they're giving, I guess maybe they're giving Stokely a title match or he's going to hand it to one of the other masked guys. Nope. Then we hear the Rolling Stones' sympathy for the devil, and I'll be honest, 
it was pretty clear who it was, but they definitely kind of played up the fact that they didn't know who it was. But this guy in a in a really cool looking devil's like satanic mask comes to the ring and we find out later who that was, but he does get the chip and he teases unmasking, flips off the crowd and leaves. And at this point we're like, okay, whoever's in that mask is getting a title shot. At first I thought it was Eric Young. It was not Eric Young. Then we get my next favorite match on the show. And I had about three of them as this show went along. Omega and the Bucks against Hangman Page and the Dark Order. This was really good. And it ends with Hangman trying to hit a buck shot on Kenny. Kenny ducks, hits John Silver. It hits John Silver. Kenny pins him. And the Elite are the inaugural trio's champions. I liked this. I would have called them the six-man tag titles, but that's just me. Then we get a really bad TBS title match that just did not need to be here, which was Jade Cargill versus Athena. This match went four minutes, and if it had gone a minute longer, I probably would have turned the show off. This was really bad. They're just... Jade's 37 and all. That's all you need to know. Jade won. Athena should have. I don't know what they're doing. I don't understand the booking here. Then we get a six-man tag, which is Wardlow and FTR against Jay Lethal and the debuting Motor City Machine Guns. This could have been better, but it was still really good. Uh, The babyfaces get the win, that being Wardlow and FTR, and then after the match, it looks like Sanjay Dutt Satnam Singh and Lethal are going to try to beat down the baby faces, but here comes Samoa Joe and he starts beating the hell out of everybody. And right as it looks like maybe they're going to cut away from this or whatever, uh, Dutt's surrounded by the baby faces in the ring. And then I didn't mention this, but during the entrances, Finley, uh, Dax's daughter, who's had some health issues, I guess it was a heart issue of some kind. They talked about it in a promo a couple months ago comes running down to the ring and Dutt had cut a promo talking about how nobody cared about his daughter. Well, eh, that's not true. Uh, she grabs the pencil from behind Dutt's ear, breaks it, breaks it in Dutt's face. Dax cold cocks Dutt. Finley covers Dutt for the one, two, three. Uh, that was fantastic. Finley gets the win. Um, really good stuff. All of that. I really enjoyed all of that, as much as the six-man tag was kind of underwhelming. And it was pretty underwhelming. Speaking of underwhelming, we get Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. This went like six minutes, and Hobbs won, and it was a glorified squash match. Yikes. I don't know what's going on with Starks, but they should not have done this. If this is what they were going to do, they should not have done this, because it made Starks look really bad. Uh, unless they're having him come back and win. Uh, I don't know what the point of any of that was. Then we got a match that I didn't like originally, but I went back and watched it again, and I really liked it, which was the Acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory. The reason I didn't like this match originally was because by the time this match rolled around, we are almost three hours into this show. I'm not exaggerating. We are almost three hours in at this point, and... Holy crap. 
the crowd was really into this, and they really wanted the Acclaim to win, and they probably should have, but Swerve and Our Glory get the, get ret- get the win and retain, as I stumble over my words there, get the win, they retain, and they are booed out of the building. And Keith Lee, I don't think has ever been booed once in his life, gets booed out of the building here. And this was really good stuff. I rewatched this match after the show was over because I was like, a lot of people are saying this was really good. I didn't like it that much, but I wanted to give it a second watch because I didn't know if maybe I was just getting tired at this point. I had watched a lot of wrestling the last couple days and there was just a lot going on there. So I didn't know. I, I really did like this match though. I thought this was probably the best match on the show overall by far, and especially in terms of crowd interaction, and the crowd would die down a little bit for the next match, which was the four-way for the interim AEW women's title. Thunder Rosa's hurt. She's going to be out a while, but it was Tony Storm versus Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter versus Kushida. The crowd really wanted Jamie Hayter to win this match. Again, the crowd did not get what they wanted here, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Well, they kind of did, because they were also rooting for Tony, but they really wanted Jamie Hayter to win. Uh, Tony gets the win, and funny enough, pins Jamie Hayter. This was fine. It wasn't a bad match by any stretch, but the crowd really wanted Jamie Hayter to win, and part of me did too, as much as I'm happy for Tony Storm. But, uh, yeah. Then we got a match that I didn't know Christian was hurt at first, so I was really pissed at first, but we get Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage. I thought this was going to steal the show before I knew Christian was hurt. He's got a torn tricep, and it sounds like it's pretty serious, and he's going to be out for a while, which sucks. But they've got a way to continue this feud now. Christian, all he has to do is cut promos, and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus can go at it. Luchasaurus turned on Jungle Boy yet again. This was, now that I know the circumstance, is really good because Christian hit about the best spear you've ever seen in your life, and then Jungle Boy kicked out of that after being attacked by Luchasaurus and slammed on the grate and whatever, and put through a table. He kicks out. And then Christian hits the unprettier. One, two, three. That's it. Christian gets the win. Then it's Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. This was really good. This kind of brought the show back to life a little bit after what felt like a disappointment in the Jungle Boy Christian thing, and then, you know, the whole cluster with the four-way women's title match that really kind of didn't end the way anybody wanted it to. This was really good. I just don't like the finish. Jericho gets kind of throws himself towards Aubrey. Aubrey's in the corner, can't see what's going on. Jericho low blows... Danielson hits the Judas effect. One, two, three. Jericho gets the win. Not crazy about that. I'm really not. I I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Then we got a backstage segment with... Well, before this, actually, we got a backstage segment with uh, Dan Housen, Death Triangle, Orange Cassidy, and the Best Friends. It's Death Triangle versus Best Friends and Orange Cassidy on... Wednesday on Dynamite. I mean, it's pretty much what you expected. Uh, Speaking of pretty much what you expected, only it wasn't, I thought 
because originally when they announced this, this House of Black versus Darby, Sting, and Miro match was originally on the pre-show, so I thought it had already happened and I just missed it. No, this match was the co-main event of All Out. Just a really weird choice and a really weird spot to put this. And it didn't need to be on this show. And it wasn't great. Sting does the miss to Malachi and eats the pin from Darby. I don't I don't know what's going on with Malachi Black, but I guess he blew a kiss to the crowd and bowed after hugging the House of Black. So is either he's walking away for a while or he's done with the company. I don't know. There was a report that he requested his release. We'll see what happens. Then we get to the main event where just about anything could have freaking happened, honestly. And again, at this point, this show has been going for damn near five hours. I am tired. I want this show to be over. <laughs> I, I really did at this point because this show just went on and on and on. And then these guys go like 25 minutes. Moxley versus Punk. Good, not great. Uh, there was about a four-minute stretch there where they were fighting on the outside and the referee should have been counting, and he wasn't. I get it that this match was not going to end in a count-out, but if you're going to have a non-no-DQ match, like, this was just a regular match for the world title, and if you're going to do that long of a stretch on the outside, just do a no-DQ. Just do it, no-DQ. Like, just, just do it. I don't know. Punk gets the win on the go-to-sleep. And the hot potatoing of the AEW world title continues, and I don't think it's done yet. Because after the show, after the show, there is a media scrum, as there is for every AEW pay-per-view ever, pretty much, that there has been a media scrum. And it starts with CM Punk, the new world champion, Again, because he was hurt all summer. Mox was the interim champion. They unified the belts, had Mox win. And then they have Punk win it back here. I don't know what the hell all that was about. But this press conference starts and Punk sits down. And he just starts going on a tirade about Scott Colton. Colt Cabana, for those of you that don't know. And he says this, that, and everything about, you know, he basically goes on a tirade about Scott Colton and how irresponsibly the media has reported that maybe Punk cost Colt his job in AEW. And then he starts calling out the EVPs and calling them children and calling Hangman Adam Page a empty-headed dumb fuck and just a bunch of shit. Like, none of this was exactly out of nowhere because, of course, the report that Punk wasn't happy about a Hangman promo... And then he cuts the promo where he goes into business for himself, much like he thinks Hangman did. And on and on he goes. And that isn't even the worst of it. Because he leaves. And then there is some sort of melee. I am not going to try to say what actually happened here because I don't fully know. But the reports are there that Ace Steel bit Kenny Omega. That a chair got thrown and hit one of the young bucks in the eye like just a really messy brawl backstage at AEW that was a shoot fight oh, what, a, what a fucking disaster 
during the press conference. And if you watch, uh, I believe it's Fightful's feed. Shout out to Fightful. SRS has been doing a great job during this whole thing, as has John Alba, by the way. Really, everybody that has covered this has done a really good job reporting what they can, where they can. You know, obviously there's sparse details right now as no official word has been given. I will talk about what I expect to happen after this, and we will speculate a little recklessly after this bit. But I'm trying to get the facts straight before I recklessly speculate. So after all this, but as I was saying with the Fightful feed, if you watch the Fightful feed of the press conference, you can you can see in the corner a security guard run into the room around the corner and back out the other door. Like he comes from one side of the room and he runs out the door. He comes into frame, runs out the door, and running does not begin to explain what this guy was doing. He was sprinting like he was running a sprint in the Olympics. Like it was insane. Obviously, you don't know why he's running like that. It could have been a fan outside. It was a security guard. It could have been for anything. It could have been a fan outside. Maybe a fan got backstage or something. You don't know. But then reports start coming out that it's a brawl between the elite Ace Steel and CM Punk. What's up with that? And just more and more details have come out about this. There's varying reports of what happened. Um... I don't think Chris Jericho was supposed to originally be at that press conference Sunday night. I think that was probably supposed to be the Bucks and Omega, but because that whole thing happened, they got Jericho. And if you watch the thing, there's a weird pause at some point, and they get Jericho over text, and Jericho goes in there and does his thing. And he does a really good job. Now we're going to recklessly speculate for a few minutes because, holy shit, is there a lot to talk about here. So, I think Ace Steel is getting fired. Let me just start there. I don't think Ace Steel is going to have a job after this. I think this is a mess. And I don't care who started it, by the way. I think all these guys are either getting suspended, and the EVPs are probably getting demoted. And according to a Fightful report today, as of recording this Tuesday night, um, I would probably expect there's a chance that CM Punk's going to get let go because Fightful reported that some of the talent are expecting that CM Punk is probably going to get let go. So have we seen the last of CM Punk in AEW? That's a real possibility. I, I think it's very possible that we have seen the end of CM Punk. And if that's the case, how odd is it that his first match back in professional wrestling after seven years was in that same building a year prior and potentially his last match. I don't know that it was his last match. Maybe they have him drop the title. Maybe they just strip him of it. I don't know. His last match could potentially be in that same building, the now arena in Chicago, Illinois, or Hoffman Estates, whatever you want to call it, where he wins the world title. It, it is a crazy story. Again, I think Omega and the Bucks are probably going to get demoted. I don't think they're going to be EVPs after this. I don't think they can be. Uh, I, I think this is a disaster for them, and this is a PR nightmare, and I want to know what Warner thinks. I want to know what Warner Discovery thinks of this because 
maybe got a new TV deal coming up uh, after next year. And this doesn't look good. I mean, you can't have your talent assaulting each other backstage. Like, you just can't have this to this level and this public of a fashion after this big of an event. Like, this can't happen. This is a bad look for AEW. This isn't just a bad look for CM Punk or the Elite or Ace Steel. It's a bad look for all of them, but it's especially a bad look for AEW, and it's a bad look for Tony Khan, who, while Punk was going on this tirade calling all his coworkers children and the EVPs empty-headed dumb fucks and whatever else he said, he's just sitting there nodding his head. Now, he doesn't look comfortable, but he's just sitting there, and at one point, I think he tried to cut him off, but he didn't. He didn't. You know, I'm surprised nobody from PR stepped in or legal even stepped in and said, whoa, 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 you know, can we not can we not go on about this? Like, this is not the time or place. You know, let's hash this out in private. But I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes, frankly, or my ears at what Punk was saying. And he made one other comment and they asked him how he felt after the match and I think he said something to the effect of he's tired old hurt and works with a bunch of fucking children or something like that like what his comments to the media were unprofessional I will not be one to defend Punk's comments I'm not going to come out here and do that his comments were unprofessional and maybe they were called for maybe he was justified in what he said about you know the Bucks supposedly leaking that that he cost Cabana his job and da 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 and if that's the case then he's justified in being angry and Punk for his faults I don't think would get mad about nothing so he legitimately does believe that the Bucks are the ones that planted that story whether it's true or not I don't know uh, and nobody really knows. Uh, there have been several media outlets to come out and deny that. But, I, you know, is that true? Is it not true? I don't know. Um, it overshadows something I didn't even talk about on this show. And I wanted to save it for last because it's interesting. MJF came back after the main event. I want to circle back to the main event because MJF returns. They do a video package. It's Punk cutting a, doing his heel turn from ROH. And then they play a voicemail from Tony Khan to MJF. MJF comes out. He unmasks, calls himself the devil. He was the Joker. But this all got overshadowed by everything I just talked about. And I realized I was a little disjointed there and I didn't talk about the MJF thing. And I thought MJF's return was fine. But, like, nobody's talking about it. I almost kind of forgot about it. Like, that's how bad this is for AEW. Like, it's not just bad for the locker room, which it's terrible for the locker room. Let's not make any mistakes there. This is terrible for the locker room. It's not just bad for the company or for the wrestlers. It's bad for the company. It's bad for everybody because this isn't a good look. And AEW, the honeymoon period is over anyway. But if it wasn't over before, it's over now. Because it's not all friends wrestling anymore. You know, these guys don't like each other. 
Punk has been pretty public and talking about how he doesn't like Hangman. And vice versa with Hangman disliking Punk. And the Bucks maybe not liking Punk. And Omega maybe disliking Hang, Not disliking Hangman, disliking Punk. You know, what do you do if you're Tony Khan? You know, do you side with the elite? Or do you side with CM Punk? I think you stay neutral and suspend all of these guys and then bring them back and say, look, guys, we're going to make some money on this. You know, let's figure this out. Let's settle this and then let's make some damn money. You know, let's sell some tickets on this. This is real. This is heat. Let's get it. You know, let's get the let's get the money here. I don't know how you do that or how you don't do that because that's what you got to do. I think you got to suspend all these guys, send them home for a month and then bring them all back and then make some money on this. Because if you don't, then I don't know what you're doing. Because you got to make money on this. This is this is gonna sell tickets like crazy. If they if they somehow manage to settle this and then turn it into a work down the road, they're gonna make so much money on CM Punk versus Kenny Omega, and CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite that. It is going to be ridiculous, and it's going to be great. I don't fully know how to feel about a lot of this. I don't know that anybody's in the right. <coughs> From what I've heard, I don't think there is anybody in the right. I think everybody was in the wrong to some level. But me and Devlin, who have been who has been on this show before, talked about this today. I was talking to him, I think it was over DMs on Twitter, and we were talking, and I said, do you think it was ineptitude or egos that caused this? You know, ineptitude at the top with Tony and the EVPs, or egos with the EVPs and Punk? And he said, I think it's both. And I agree with that. I think it is both. I think there was some ineptitude at the top with Tony not being able to get a handle on his locker room situation and some ineptitude by the EVPs of just reportedly just storming into the locker room according to several accounts and screaming and yelling you know that's unprofessional that's not something you do I don't know I don't know where do you go from here the obvious answer if you're not going to fire CM Punk, is suspend all of them, bring them all back, sit, sit them in a room, lock the door, tell them to figure it out, and then go make some money on it. That's the obvious answer if you're not going to fire Punk. But I don't see... I don't know that it's possible to fix this because I don't know where everybody stands. I don't know how comfortable everybody is with trying to fix this right now. Meltzer reported that the expectation is that none of them are going to be on TV tonight for Dynamite. I'm going to do a Dynamite post-show. You can expect that to be up around midnight central time. I will talk about it if they're there, and I will talk about it if they're not. This is a categorical disaster for AEW. And the only thing I can say is, like, All Out was not a great pay-per-view in my eyes. It was a good pay-per-view. It was not great. You put on a pretty good show. But then it's overshadowed by this Category 5 disaster in every way. It's a PR nightmare. It's an embarrassment. 
and it's really, really bad for everyone involved. And between the communication issues that have been reported and now these four, these are four of the top guys in the company now going at each other's throats. And there's been reports that Punk doesn't have a lot of friends backstage and that most of the talent are on the elite side here. And to some level, I believe that. Because Punk came in later and wasn't there from day one and the elite were. The elite helped found the company. I don't know where they go from here. I hope, as I've said multiple times now, that they bring these guys back and find a way to turn this into a work and make some money on this. But I don't know that that's what they're going to do. That's going to do it for this episode of the Two Marks and a Spark Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Just really awesome to be back. Bryce will be back soon. We are so excited to be back. Bryce is excited to be back. I'm excited to be back. I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode. Just a recap of what it was a crazy wrestling weekend, and it doesn't even feel like it's over yet because we got more of this punk AEW drama to cover. I'll be back later on tonight to talk about AEW after the show. Everybody have a great rest of your Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Two Marks and a Spark. I've been your host, Ben, and I will talk to you guys next.